You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, we did get to hear from um, Brian Gutekunst. Also got to hear from Matt LaFleur. These things always take longer than I expect, so I'll just assume that's all we're going to go over today. A lot of consternation. People are sort of... Uh, summarizing what was said and then everybody's running with it and considering how volatile everything is on social media right now it's causing some some chaos it's it's also like the comment well i'll, I'll leave it alone but it, it it really doesn't matter what anybody says or does at this point it, 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 it doesn't this is full-blown politics mode where anybody that somebody doesn't like if they blink the wrong way they need to be fired Every comment is incomprehensible. Every little thing is just, I mean, it's, it's so exhausting. I mean, and here's the reason it's unfortunate. I disconnected from politics because it's so draining and it's so hard to deal with people that are so irrationally filled with hatred. They're not thinking. They're not rational. They're not logical. And after years and years and years of, of, of being engaged in it, I realized it doesn't matter what's true. It doesn't matter what's real. Nobody wants the truth. Nobody wants what's real. Nobody cares. They are in their camp, and they're not going to be moved out of that camp. And I didn't want to deal with that anymore. And now I am fully engaged and fully immersed in something that has become politics. Because ultimately what I realize is politics isn't politics. Politics is human nature. This is how human beings operate. They're tribal people that just want to get in their little camps and just hate everybody that's on the other side. And that's why I'm trying, trying to do something different with the podcast, at least a little bit. Because I, I, it's going to bring me to the point where I start to hate this. Where I don't want to do this anymore. Because I don't want to deal with just abject stupidity. And that's what I see when I go on social media now. It's just, it's nonsense. I mean, there's, there's things that are so blatantly obvious right in front of people's faces. And they're refusing to see it. And it's just exhausting so we're gonna do here what we always do which is we're gonna listen to what people actually said not just react to headlines i will give you my impressions of what is said and there will probably be many 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 caveats of here's what i think i'm reading between the tea leaves i don't know you know just trying to make it very clear that this isn't like this isn't from the word of god himself whatever i'm saying to you it's just here's what was said and here's how i view it so why don't we start, I mean, some other news I wanted to get to, like the Raiders coach got fired, but I mean, freaking obviously the guy never should have got a job. I think it was ridiculous that they hired him. I said that from the day they picked him up. So anyways, uh, there's your news of the day. Let's just delve into this thing. And uh, if we have extra time, great, but I'm not expecting it. We'll go through Brian Gutekunst. We'll see where we're at with time. We'll talk to, listen to Matt LaFleur. I'll tell you what though, before I get into it, I want to play this one other thing because I think it kind of helped to really resonate with me personally in terms of like where I'm seeing differences between myself and some of the frustrating things I'm seeing online. This is a show here. Um, it is on 97.3 The Game with Wayne Larravee and uh, Aaron Nagler are on the show. Here's what Wayne Larravee said. I do believe this with most scouts will tell you this. When you make decisions on players, on talent, on acquisition, you have to do it void of emotion. It's why you don't consult your players or your coaches because you need to make decisions based on, boom, this mm-hmm. is what it really is, and we emotionally love this guy, and he's done so much. But if it's the end, it's the end, and the personnel de- department people have to make those decisions in a vacuum that has no emotion in it whatsoever. Yeah, but Wayne, that all changed after Aaron Rodgers says said it was about the people. Remember, like they're they're not allowed to be emotionless. They got it. They got to put their heart on their sleeve. I always find it fascinating when these guys get to the end of their career or their end of their time in Green Bay, and we always get the narrative of oh, Gr- Green Bay treats veterans so poorly. It's like well, the vets that you were talking about mostly have only ever known Green Bay. Yeah, and then when it is time to move on. Yeah, sometimes it can feel... I remember talking to a, a player who left a few years ago, 
he he went on, played for another NFL team. It was like it's so different here as far as like how we are treated and things like that. I had no idea how well I had it in Green Bay, yeah. but he mentioned like how dispassionate the people and personnel were when it came to like dealing with the players and whatever. And I said exactly what you're talking about there, Wayne. It's like that's the job. That is literally yes. the job. That's- that's where you have to leave emotion at the door and lock the door and, and do your job and make the right decisions, you hope, on people. Personnel's not a science. I right. mean, we know that. It, you're going to make mistakes, but you, you can't allow passion or feelings to get involved. So I've mentioned several times the thing that I really like about Gutekunst is he is a cold-blooded freaking robot serial killer. Like he, he doesn't care. He just does. You know, he's he's got freaking ice in his veins in these negotiations and things. And I've noticed, and the, I, I don't mean to be too broad sweeping, there are a lot of people who wouldn't agree with the sentiment who don't think Razul Douglas should be gone, but a lot of the sentiments I've seen on social media, which are very similar to the sentiments about Aaron Rodgers when he was let go, really didn't have anything to do with whether or not it was the right decision at the right time, whatever. It was an emotion-filled uh, diatribe about after all he's done, after all these years of former MVP and da 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 Who gives a crap? Brazil Douglas is the heart and soul of this team, of this two-win football team? That doesn't, the, the entire thing we're hearing about is that they have no passion. But he's the heart and soul. I think our hearts stopped. I get that he's a nice guy. I get that he cares, and I get that he tries, and I get that he puts his, you know, he's, he's trying to do this or that or the other thing. That has nothing to do with anything. What he's done for us and all that is irrelevant. It is a very cold, calculated calculation. What is Razul going to do in helping us accomplish our goal? Here's a very important part of that, though. Our goal is not to win in 2023 and probably not 2024. What does Razul Douglas do to help us win in 2025? Well, he is the heart and soul. I don't care. What does that have to do with us winning in 2025? Well, he's a, he, after all he did, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. My, what, what have I said? Even, even as early as yesterday, one of the biggest issues I had with Mike McCarthy was what? He had a big heart. And that's, that's the reason I love him as a person. But it made him a terrible coach. He never fired anybody. He refused. He wouldn't let go of players. There were so many players that were over the... I know that's not entirely on him, but I think Ted... And, and Mike both, we got to the point where nobody ever left. Nobody was ever let go because of bad play. No coaches were ever let go. They either got hired away or they just sat and, and failed. That makes you a great person, but a terrible coach and a terrible GM. I'll be honest, if Aaron Rodgers has good things to say about you, you probably suck as a GM. If your players think that you're just the, the, the greatest guy in the world, you probably suck as a GM. Are you willing to look at everybody's favorite guy in that locker room? When you look at it and say, the best thing for us to do is to get compensation for that player. But man, those guys are really going to be mad. They all really like that guy. The fans are going to be pissed. How many times has he done things that the fans hate him for? Over and over and over again. But you know what? He doesn't care. That is critically important. Coach? Yeah, coach has to be like. That's why there needs to be a distance. There needs to be a gap between the coach and the GM. Because a good GM is hated. A good coach is loved. And if there's hand-in-hand working together, it can't work. There needs to be a gap there. And Gutekunst has to take all the flames, has to take all the fire. And Matt LaFleur needs to be equally as pissed and as upset at the personnel decision that just took place. Because he's with them. But I don't want to make personnel decisions based on how nice... Now, listen, if we're contenders, fine. But for contenders, he's not going to make that decision. We're not. And so the, the question becomes, we're not contenders. This isn't working. Like, we, we tried. We thought maybe we wouldn't have to do a full teardown and rebuild because we have seemingly some good pieces here. If Jordan can be the guy, and if Matt LaFleur can be the guy, and if Joe Barry can be the guy, and can put all these guys in a position to succeed and get the best out of everybody, then maybe we don't have to do a full teardown, and we can just pick this thing up. We'll start cleaning up the cap. We'll find out what a few pieces we're missing. We'll supplement that, and bing, bang, boom, we're off and running by 2024. And Gutekunst watched... A half a year go by and said, nope, time to tear it down. Tell me why Razul Douglas helps us in this tear down and rebuild phase that we have just entered. I'm just saying. Wayne Larravee spelled it out. You need to be dispassionate. You need to be a cold, calculated killer. That doesn't mean he's always making the right decisions. That's a separate issue. But all the impassioned, emotional uh, emotional pleas are exactly why I lean, when I look at the the 
frenzy and the hysteria on social media that is so emotion-filled. And then I look at what Brian Gutekunst is doing. It's, it's easy for me to pick a path. Do I want to go down this path of, you know, seemingly like 15-year-old girls having an estrogen party? Just wailing and crying and screaming and, and just love and I love him and oh, thank you for everything you've done. I'm so sorry you've been victimized by the horrible bad man. I don't, I don't want that to be the direction of the team. That's, that, I don't, that's, these are not the people I want guiding my vision of how a team should be run. This is, this is silliness. This is immature nonsense. Anyways, here is how uh, Brian Gutekunst started the press conference, just talking about the news that transpired. Uh, real quick, as we get started, I just want to you know, take a little time to talk about Razul. Uh, just thank him for his time here, all the, you know, the work um, and the leadership that he provided us. Obviously, that was a, you know, a, a nice uh, practice squad signing in the middle of the season. I don't think you see those too many often, so very appreciative of him. Uh, also, I uh, just want to talk about Rashawn Gary and the extension. Obviously, very core member of our football team, um, and I'm very excited to lock him up for, for a long time. So he means a lot to our football team, and um, we're excited to have him. You know, season hasn't gone like we wanted it to. Um, it's been some frustration, but I think uh, we're very focused on the process, how we get through it, and uh, continue to get better. So with that, I'll take your questions. So I'll just, I'll just jump both feet in here with the speculations. But... Again, understand my perspective on this, which is not going to be everybody's perspective. The Green Bay Packers came into this season hoping that they wouldn't have to do a major rebuild. We talked about that process. That's why I said they didn't do a rebuild. And what did Gutekunst say? The season did not go as we expected. But we're going to trust the process. We're going to continue the process. What, what is the process? Well, at this point, it's, it's start selling, which again is an indication because there are Things that had transpired prior to this that didn't feel like a team that was selling off all the veterans. Like, for example, Razul is still on the team. He didn't have to enter the season. Aaron Jones didn't have to be here. All right, there are certain things that they did to try to maintain for this year some players that can help us win that are not 100% necessary. Aaron Jones has no real benefit to us in a couple years. Or let's just say by some miracle it happens next year. Like, you know, if we... You know, let's say Jordan's the guy and we get a wide receiver and bing, bang, boom, we're good to go. We get the perfect coach or Matt LaFleur is the perfect coach. You just needed some help or whatever. It doesn't matter. The point is we, this falls in line with the path that I'm seeing. We went down a certain path with certain expectations. We are nowhere near that. And it has become crystal clear that major things need to happen. And so we're going to curve this a little bit and begin the process of, of, pushing even harder, which is to say, rather than let's keep some of these older veterans in case we can make a run this year or next year, we are now going to just dismiss them and move in a completely new direction. And part of that is signing guys like Rashawn Gary. Why? Because he is a core member of this team that is a part of our future. First question right out of the gate. What led to this decision to trade Razul Douglas? Oh, you know, it's a, it's a tough one because of what he means to our team. But at the same time, you know, we weren't looking to move anybody. Um, got a call kind of um, out of the blue a few days ago, and it ended up being, you know, we kind of weren't really interested in doing it, um, but at the end of the day, um, um, the offer was kind of too good to pass up. So this is something that, that came up a little later. I, I had mentioned before that, um, and I still haven't, I haven't looked at it, I have it sitting right here, um, that the Packers were open to moving several people. And according to Gutekunst, they're not looking to trade people, but the offer was too good to pass up. Now, it doesn't really move the needle very much either way, because again, if you're planning on contending, you don't move a guy like Razul Douglas, right? A third round pick is not, quote unquote, too good to pass up. I think, um, you know, again, th there's a lot of pieces that could have been moved for the right price, but only in a certain situation. If this was 2020, do we move Razul Douglas for a third? No. Even 2021? No. No chance. So ultimately, it kind of gets us to the same place. It's a little bit of, uh, of a difference between, you know, the Packers are looking to sell at the trade deadline and the Packers were looking to sit on their hands and do nothing. And then they got an offer and they accepted it. And again, the only real difference is how we got to this point, not so much where do they stand, because by moving on from Razul Douglas, it tells us everything we need to know about where Gutekunst feels the team is. 
Next question is essentially, did you just kick him off the team because he's outspoken? Which is kind of a stupid question, but here we go. Did that have any bearing? No, not at all. No. You know, Rizul's been a really good leader for us, really positive leader for us. So, um, really had nothing to do with that. So, and, and again, he flat out says he's a good leader. So, he understands his role in the locker room. So, that's a part of the calculation that he made. The next one I really like because, it, I, again, it, it's. I don't know if the media is trying to just get him to say certain things, in which case kudos, or if they genuinely just don't understand what's happening right now. And the fact that the question was asked, did you do this because he's outspoken, leads me to believe that they just have no idea what's going on right now. I mean, this is not super complicated. But anyways, the next question was, okay, so he's a leader. He's a productive member of your team. Why would you do this for what essentially amounts to like a fourth round pick? Here is the answer. Yeah, we thought it was the best interest in the Packers. I mean, obviously, in the short term, you lose a good player. That's tough. Um, but at the same time, I think um, looking kind of, you know, long term, it's going to be in our best interest. So anytime you get a third round pick, that's going to kind of be within the top 100, uh, probably going to be in the top 50 players you have on your board. Um, you know, that's something I think was just too, too good for us to pass up. We wish him well. Uh, he served us well while he was here. And um, like I said, we're excited about the opportunities it presents for some other guys. So he just flat out gave everything you needed to know. For those that don't understand or refuse to understand, which is very, it's very simple. What did he say? Yes, in the short term, it's going to suck, right? And, and there's a question coming up that's supposedly like some big gotcha. Because <laughs> again, people just have no comprehension skills. But this is it. Yes, in the short term, it's going to hurt. But looking at the long term, this is what's best for the Green Bay Packers. That's all anybody needs to know. This is really simple. This is two plus two. Look at where the... Pa- <laughs> one of my favorite scenes in The Office is um, Beach Day. It's, it's one of my favorite episodes in The Office is Beach Day. I love it. I think it's massively underrated. I love me some um, dinner party or whatever, but Beach Day is fantastic. And Dwight is like trying to beat Andy or whatever in the competition and talking to Angela and Angela promises to misunderstand everything he says. And at one point, he's wearing his sumo suit and he falls in the water. And he starts yelling out for Angela to help him. And Angela says, what, Andy? And he's screaming, like, help, go get help. I can't understand you, Andy. What are you saying? And Andy just says, look at what I'm doing and tell somebody it. (laughs) As he floats away. Oh, I love that so much. Lake Scranton, I think it was. Third largest body of water (laughs) in America. Um, That's, I mean, that's, look at where we are. And use your freaking head. Just look. Look at this football team. Look at the players. Look at your own tweets and your own comments about this team and how you feel about this team. And then look at what Brian Gutekunst did. Can you seriously not connect the dots from one to the other? Well, he's a leader. I don't, I don't understand. You don't? Oh, boy. Okay. Here's uh, Gutekunst just kind of talking about his thoughts on Rashawn, which I contemplated skipping it, but it's nice to hear because it's all true and Rashawn is awesome. And I, you know, it's another example of a guy that we all should easily be able to rally around and be like, yeah, we got this guy. He's awesome. But sure enough, you go on social media and no, he's, he's a piece of crap. You can't stay healthy. He's soft. He's weak. He doesn't get sacks. Like, <laughs> freaking, I swear. Just an unbelievable example uh, to our football team of how you do it. You know, I mean, from the day he got here, his work ethic was kind of, you know, not many guys match kind of the intensity he brings uh, every day in practice, uh, whether it's in the weight room, the meeting rooms. um, He just really leads by example. He's really grown, I think, as a leader as well. Um, His play speaks for itself. I mean, he's on fire when he's out there, and I think his best football is still ahead of him, you know, so. You know, for us to be able to sign a guy, extend a guy for four years right now with his best football ahead of him, um, I think it's really exciting for our football team. He's just got so much out there for himself, and and, um, I think he's going to reach whatever goals he sets. There you go. Then following that, he gives his thoughts on how Jordan has been doing. A little bit up and down like our entire offense, right? You know, I think um, it's been a, a work in progress for the entire offense. There's been glimpses, particularly in the second halves, of really good football. Um, but we have not started very well. So I think uh, that, that group, that unit as a whole, has a lot of work to do. But at the same time, I think um, they're kind of committed to, pro- to the process, believe in that, that group of guys, and, um, you know, expect better results coming. So, you know, 
all I'm going to say is, you know, a lot of people are talking, well, we, we believe in him all the well, Listen, he was given an opportunity. The ball was set on the tee. Defend Jordan. What have you thought about Jordan Love? He very easily could have said, we're very happy with his performance. There's a little bit of work that needs to be done, but he's growing every single day. We're committed to him just like he's committed to us, and we're excited to see uh, what Jordan's going to do for us here in Green Bay for many years to come. All he said is, basically, the offense sucks. He didn't want to throw Jordan specifically under the bus, which is fair because the entire offense has struggled, but the question was about Jordan Love, and he didn't want to talk about Jordan Love. He said, yeah, it's been kind of up and down, kind of like the rest of the offense, and then he talks about the offense as a whole, but let's be honest, he's disguising his comments about Jordan Love behind the offense. And what did he say? We've seen ups and downs. We've seen glimpses, particularly in the second half. But the first half has been terrible. And we expect better results. That's the answer. So again, there's a lot of things. He's not going to come out and trash people. So everything's going to be, you know, more positive. And that's why I, a lot of times, read between the lines. And that may make me way off target on occasion. But you can see these guys open up when it's a real easy answer, when, when, when they're able to give what they want to give, which is a positive message. Like, for example, tell us about Rashawn Gary. He could go on forever about his work ethic, about how talented he is, about da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. He didn't have a bad word to say. Just open the floodgates about how much he loves the guy. Okay, now do Jordan Love. Well, the offense, you know, boy, oh boy, it's a struggle out there sometimes. <laughs> okay. Okie dokie. Anyways, we're at the uh, 20-ish minute mark. Why don't we take our first break? Patreon.com forward slash back underscore daddy's working for the podcast. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Next question about Jordan Love, which is also very important. And again, it's it's not just important the the answer like in print, which is why it's important to like listen and watch these things as opposed to just watch, read the quotes and articles and stuff um, because it's kind of how they answer it. But the question is very simply, do you need more than this year to evaluate Jordan Love? Which essentially you could ask the exact same question a different way, which could be, are you committed no matter what to Jordan Love next year? Here's his answer. I, you know, I, not, I think, you know, we got 10 games left. These are going to be very important 10 games. And, um, you know, I think he's done a lot of really good things. Really like the way he's responded to, to the adversity, uh, how he's led the team. Um, you know, again, we got to be better as a unit. And uh, I expect that to happen over the next 10 games. 
and um, you know I think uh, you know we're going through some things um, that we knew we would go through. Um, you know we haven't had the results we want, but I do like the way the guys are responding to things. Okay, so the question was again. Do you need more than this year to evaluate Jordan Love? And his answer was, well, I've liked how he's responded to adversity and bounced back. That's sort of the second half thing. We're going through stuff, and we expect better results from the unit as a whole. The answer to the question is no, I don't need more than this year. That doesn't mean he's officially done with Jordan Love. I'm not saying that he's saying that. But what I am saying is exactly what I've been saying all year. The clock is ticking for Jordan Love. Brian Gutekunst said, more or less, we'll know what we have in Jordan Love by midseason. And... Gutekunst's answer to the question essentially was, we got 10 more games to evaluate him. What does that mean? He's got 10 games to pull out of this freaking tailspin, or we will be looking for a new quarterback. Do I know that's what he's saying? No. But do I kind of know that's what he's saying? Yes. I kind of know that's what he's saying. And again, kind of going along with what I said, where the, the team thought they were going to be a lot better than they are, and now we're heading in a new direction. The question was... Is this sort of to be expected? Which, again, is sort of a BS excuse because some of the guys are young. Um, and by young, it generally means second-year player, which is really ridiculous that we're saying they're too young to know how to like catch footballs and run routes. But was this expected? Here's what he said. I mean, I would have, I would have expected better results. That's it. I mean, I, there's more, but that's, that's it. I would have expected better results. That's, I mean, again, everything is right in line with exactly what I said. I'm not right all the time. I'm wrong a lot. I'm not wrong about this. I'm not wrong about this. They expected better results. And they should have. Because what's happening right now is not acceptable. And I'm glad this is what he's seeing. And I really hope that he's connecting the dots, talking about Brian Gutekunst, between the entire team collapsing. I would have expected better results from our second-year players. I would have expected better results from our rookie players in knowing what they're doing. I would have expected better results out of our offensive line and our running back and our defense and everybody as a whole. Where does that lead you to, Brian? Where does that lead you to? I don't know. Maybe he's throwing his hands up going, man, these guys are just not getting it done. You got to look at the coach, man. You have to. He needs to be under a spotlight here. But again, the larger picture, there was an expectation of better play than this. That didn't happen. So what happens when Brian Gutekunst, who I've described as a emotionless, cold-blooded killer, looks at this environment? What do you do? You start trimming the fat. Goodbye, 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 goodbye. There is no, you know, he's got a family. He's done so much. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's see one more year. The bottom line is, is that what's best for the team? When, when, when you plug it into your computer, which we'll just say is your brain, when you plug all the data points into your brain, does it make the most sense to continue what we're doing and try to make some tweaks around the edges to kind of just tweak this, tweak that? Again, as I've said before, what can you add to this team that fixes this? There's no play calling that's going to fix this. You can't add a wide receiver to this and expect it to get fixed. In fact, we did that. We added two pass catchers in Musgrave and, and Reed, and they are falling prey to the same problems. You can't add an offensive line to this, offensive lineman to this, because the offensive line is going backwards. What would we expect an, a, a young rookie offensive lineman to come in here and what? Develop? What are we going to do? Go get a corner? Which corner? Who's going to come in here and just be great? What, like Jair? Who is the number? Jair was the number one corner in the entire NFL. If we can even find anyone that could replicate that, which I doubt, what happened to Jair? Where's he at right now? You can't tweak this. I'm just, I'm just, I'm saying that because I hope that's his mentality. Not just Jordan has 10 games to pull out of this tailspin. Matt LaFleur has 10 games to pull out of this tailspin. Show me something. Demonstrate to me that you can at least get the best out of the guys that are putting in the work. Because the guys, and he said it a couple times, the guys are putting in the work. In fact, I think it's the next thing he says. But the guys are, they're putting the work in. There you go. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought that's what immediately, we, the guys are putting the work. Great. Then there's a big disconnect. What is, quote unquote, the work that they're putting in? Because it's not translating. Why is it not translating? If the guys over there are putting in 100 hours and they're getting positive results and we're putting in 100 hours and we're getting negative results, then, then the work that we're doing is not good work. Well, who's giving them the work to do? Who, who decides what work we do and when we do and how we do it? Everybody's making jokes about the stupid drill they did where they're like diving at these, these things that are standing up. And, you know, it's just, it's kind of just a joke. It's kind of stupid. But at the same time, maybe that is sort of a microcosm of just how this team is run. We're focusing on just nonsense and we're, we're wasting what should be productive time doing unproductive things. 
that's not actually helping develop our team. If that is a microcosm, a, a small picture of a larger issue, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Here's the rest of what Matt LaFleur had to say about how things are going. It's the right way. Um, we've certainly seen a lot of glimpses in practice and certainly in the second half of some games, but the consistency hasn't been there. Um, but again, I, I really do believe in the group uh, in that building and the coaching staff. And um, I think big things are ahead. It's just going to, you know, we got to get through these things. We've got to learn from them. We've got to, you know, stay grounded to the process. And if we do that, I think the results will come. So that, that comment right there is the one that really gets me to believe that he believes in the coaching staff. Now, may, maybe that's just a part of him saying stuff. I don't know. And I don't know if that's like, I, I, I believe that they can do it, as in I believe they can pull out of this tailspin and we're going to be good. I, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what that means. But, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of get a better picture of what exactly Gutekunst thinks the issue is when we get through this. If, it's, if, if we expend all resources to go get a quarterback and Matt LaFleur stays, then it's very obvious what Gutekunst felt the major issue was. If Matt LaFleur is gone, then then we have an understanding of how he felt about that. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to know for sure exactly. You know, I, I, I believe in everybody that's here. Well, that's, that's nice. A lot of these guys you believe in are going to be cut soon, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, great. Next question is, how do you evaluate the quarterback when everything around him is kind of bad? And I like his answer because it's essentially the exact answer I gave. Right, we we excuse the quarterback based on all the other bad play, but doesn't isn't everybody affected by everybody's bad play, including Jordan's? I'm just just saying. And there's all this around him. Yeah, that's a good question. I think it really it's not just evaluating the quarterback, but everything. You know, all the players. I mean, when when the when the group as a whole is not functioning the way it should function, it's hard to evaluate anybody. So, um, at the same time, you know, it's it's on us. To and and again, like the the, the question is posed. Well, we can't, or a lot of people are taking the stance, we can't really pr say that Jordan's bad because everything else is bad. But yeah, we can throw Christian Watson under the bus. Bro, Christian Watson should have a lot more yards and touchdowns right now, just based on things that I've seen if balls were thrown more accurately. So how can we evaluate Christian Watson with an inaccurate quarterback, but we can't evaluate the quarterback because Watson ran a wrong route once? I don't understand how that works. I don't, I, I don't get it. Get that right, you know, so we can move forward and evaluate the guys that we have in that in that room. Um, but uh, yeah, it does when, it, when we're not clicking, it's it's tough to evaluate anything. And 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 again, I, I think that's kind of a lame cop out. Anyways, it it can't. Of course, it can complicate things in terms of evaluation, but it it really doesn't that much because you can isolate situations. I mean, these guys have the ability to chop up individual plays they I, th I think pff actually offers it as a service to them i'm sure they have all kinds of different technology and software on top of pff but one of the things they have that they offer just to teams is the ability to punch in for example i want to see jordan love every time in third down in less than five with no pressure they can draw all those up i mean at the end of the season there's going to be such a massive database they can see anything they want to see how does he perform in this situation that situation this one that 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 that, that, that. and they can do that for every player Every player under in, in, in every circumstance, in every situation. There might be a little bit of extra work in terms of if a guy ran a wrong route, then whatever, but you, you just take that into consideration and you go through it. There's certain things you want to look for, you can go find it. How did he handle this situation? Go find it. Here was that situation. What did he do? Did he do the right thing or the wrong thing? Again, it, it's, it's a little bit more cloudy, but you can just wade through it. it. It probably adds a little bit more work to your workload in terms of having to incorporate the fact that this went wrong or that went wrong. But the evaluation is still just sitting right in front of you. There's still a right thing to do in a situation and a wrong thing to do in a situation. Did they do the right thing? Did they anticipate? Were they comfortable in the pocket? Was the footwork right? Was the, the arm uh, the mechanics correct? Was the throw accurate? Yes or no? And again, you can isolate it to times when he's not under pressure. You can isolate it to certain routes or certain concepts or certain downs and distances. You know, first and ten when there's a lot less chaos and pressure you can still evaluate i mean it might be harder as a fan to just sit there and take it all in as a whole but from his standpoint it won't be that hard next question back to razul douglas um you know what what are your thoughts on the on that room considering the injuries and now you've lost razul yeah 
Yeah, it made it a little tougher to, to think about doing that, you know, just because of where we are injury-wise and, you know, with Jair not being able to play a few games and Stokes where he's at. But um, I do like, you know, the young guys in that room, you know, Stokes, Valentine, um, you know, certainly Jair sounds like hopefully he's getting back to full health, which will be nice. Um, so I like, I like the players in that room, but losing a guy like Razul this time of year is tough. Um, but uh, I expect those guys to fill the gaps. So, Again, it, it's it's it kind of gives a picture as to how much the words mean, right? When, when he says things like "I believe in" and "I have expectations" and "we really like," he knows that it's not going to go well. <laughs> he knows that absolutely. Just so we're all completely clear, because there's a lot of flexibility in these words. To say I like Valentine is relative. You mean compared to like Jair? Well, no, but I like him in terms of what he brings to the table, all things considered, like his experience and you know talent level and everything else so the next question is just kind of really trying to put his feet to the fire and saying you know you got a big decision coming up um you know if things continue this way you got a top five pick and you got to decide between drafting a quarterback or extending jordan love what are you going to do and here's his response obviously there'll be time for that bill i I think right now we're worried about being the rams you know that's that's the most important thing so right now it's just about we we have a lot of faith in jordan and i think so you know we got to get the offense playing better and when that does, those things will take care of themselves. But right now, I think it's really focused on the Rams. So, again, a, a little nod to Jordan for sure, but essentially just we're not going there right now, which makes sense. You know they're not going to go there. You know for a fact that he's not going to say anything that would indicate that they don't have faith in Jordan Love. Same thing they did with, with Rodgers. They said the same. I mean, they were much more positive toward Rodgers than they are with Jordan right now. But, you know, anytime you got Aaron Rodgers, you got a chance to win. Da, da, da. Even in 2022 when things weren't going well, it was still, I mean, he's Aaron Rodgers and all this stuff. But essentially the, the answer was, right now we're focused on winning. We expect things to turn around. Once that does, everything's going to be fine and we'll be good to go. Except I just traded away Razul Douglas, right? <laughs> that was a evasive answer. So the next question, which is like the big gotcha, was you say you're focused on the Rams, but you trade away Razul. Now that wasn't really, the question wasn't really a gotcha, but everyone on social media is making it seem like this was this big burn. But really it was was a pretty fair question insofar as basically just saying, how do you balance that between, you know, we want to beat the Rams and, you know, trying to do what's best for the team or whatever the case may be. And the real, I mean, the, 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 the very simple reality is when he says we're focused on beating the Rams. It's, I don't want to say it's bullcrap, but it kind of is. He needs the team to be focused on beating the Rams, the, the people that are left in the building. He wants the coach and the players to do everything they can to stay doing what they You go do what you need to do. His focus was not beating the Rams, not his primary focus. That's why Razul is gone. So, it, it, I mean, it, it's not even so much a gotcha because the, the comment he made was like a throwaway line. I mean, you might have caught him in a lie when he said, we're focused on the Rams, but even that is not, you know... It's true. That, that is technically the focus of the team this week. But really, all he's saying is we're not talking about that right now. We'll come to that point when we get there. But Gutekunst is already, I mean, and that's his job to focus on the future always. But anyways, here's how he answered that. I mean, you look at it all, right? You look where your team's at. And I think uh, for first part, first thing that came out off, the, off his lips was what? You look where your team is at. That was, that was the first part. And I think that that was the first thing that came to his mind. Because that's, again, the very simple reality. The only reason Razul is gone is because the team failed. If we are not sitting at two wins, if we had four wins or five wins or six wins, Razul is still on the team right now. Everybody that wants to be upset in that locker room about Razul being gone, I guess you should have played better. You should have demonstrated that this is a team that is ready to make a run and Razul would still be here. But you demonstrated that you're not a team that's ready to make a run. That despite all that amazing leadership from Razul Douglas, you can't show up on Sunday. You act like you don't even care. For us right now, I think um, we have some young players at that position we really like and we want to see play. We need to see play, right? And, um, you know, again, um, you know, to me, it's about... You know, we got to play better as units, offense, defense, and special teams. Play complementary football. We haven't done that, and I think... Um, now he's just rambling. <laughs> There's no point even playing the... Ra- he's rambling. The first part is what matters, and now he's getting back into, we got to play complementary football, we got to be better as a unit. This has nothing to do with the question or anything else. He's rambling. Because he's not going to answer the question directly. He doesn't give a crap about 2023. He doesn't give a crap about the Rams. He wants Matt LaFleur to give a crap about the Rams. He doesn't. And then follow-up question to that was, he's a leader in that locker room. How do you balance 
removing a leader from the locker room as well as what message are you sending to the locker room by sending him away? Yeah, no, you, you consider all those things. I think you consider all those things. And quite frankly, at the beginning, that's why I said no. I'm like, yeah, not, you know, for what was being offered, it didn't make any sense. But once it got to a certain point, it's there's some offers you can't refuse. And this is one of those, you know what I mean, for the player. And um, again, we wish him well. But I also think, you know, right now that there's, um, there's opportunity. And I have a lot of expectations for players to step into leadership roles that need to step into leadership roles. Um, I think they've done that. Um, we've seen, certainly seen some evidence of that, and I think that needs to continue to grow. And, um, and I'm, I'm hopeful and excited that it will. So kind of two things. Number one, again, was just evading the larger issue, which he's not going to say out loud, which he more or less said a couple times, which is, look at where the team is. That's how we got to where we are. But the other part was also important, which is, you know, there is a question of, like, what, what, in a couple of years, where are we at? Not just in terms of talent, but let's say, oh, I don't know, leadership. Let's say you want Rashawn Gary or Jair Alexander or somebody to step up and be the leader because that's one of your young core players. I'm not saying you ship off Razul in order to do that, but it doesn't hurt to create that vacuum now so that it can be filled. Somebody's got to fill it. Or we just keep Razul around, we turn down the pick, we keep him around until we're ready to start competing, and then we get rid of Razul. We create a vacuum at that point when his career is going downhill and he costs too much money. We create a dead cap situation with Razul at that time when we're really struggling. Create a leadership void and upset that locker room instead of this locker room. Um, that's also an option, but probably not my favorite option. Um, why don't we take our second break? I don't even think we're going to get through all this. I'll try to be more selective in what we're actually listening to because we're like halfway through this. But uh, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. So I want to start off again. I just think a lot of the people in the media are just so off. And, and one of the big things that I think that they're getting wrong, which I think a lot of the fan base is getting wrong, is this idea that that everything is bad except Jordan. That Christian Watson is like a massive failure, and that's part of the reason the offense is failing, and that's part of the reason why Jordan Love looks bad, even though he's not. So with that assumption, there was a question that was asked, and I'll, I'll just play the whole exchange, because, you know, again, for me, who doesn't have that assumption, but has almost the opposite assumption, it's like listening to nails on a freaking chalkboard. But I will play the question and the answer. Hopefully you can hear this all right. How wrong did you think Watson was coming out relative to, you know, fairly high picks like that? Um, that not any more than most. So what do you think, has that panned out, or do you think, was he a little more raw than you thought coming out? No, no, I just think right now our offense isn't playing well as a whole, you know, which I think limits opportunities for, for all the guys. Um, so I don't think there's any, like, rawness there that I need to worry, that we need to worry about now. These, I know everybody talks a little bit about our team being young. We're seven games in. I mean, that whole young thing's out the window, right? Thank you. They're professional football players. There's expectations. Um, and, you know, so we're not shying away from that. So, but again, he, he, he said he's exactly 100,000% correct about this. And, and if you just watch the bewilderment on his face, like, what are you freaking talking about? The question was asked, like, well, um, did, did you, how raw did you think Christian Watson was going to be when he came out? And he's like, not any more than anybody else. And he's like, okay. Oh, Oh, well, um, like, how do, what do you think now? Like, you know, is he, do, do, do you think that panned out? Is, is he a little bit more raw? And he's like, no, he's not raw. What are you talking? The offense sucks. And when he gets better, then you're going to start to see better things from Christian Watson, which is exactly what I've been saying, right? It's, it's, it's just when things get, sorry, when things get better, when the offense starts functioning more cohesively, you're going to see Watson improve. Now, that's an impossibility or, or a silly statement to make if your assumption is the offense isn't working because the wide receivers suck and the wide receivers suck because they're raw and they're young and all that stuff. And Gutekunst is saying, first of all, that's a bullcrap excuse. But not only that, that's not really what's happening. The, the, this weird idea that essentially our offense doesn't work because all our wide receivers are just running around in circles, running into each other all the time. And then when they finally get the ball, they drop it is such a fake narrative. It's so ridiculous. Everybody wants to argue with me right now, and so I shouldn't have said anything, but it just it was just annoying me, and I finally just said something. That pass to Christian Watson where the ball got punched out the second it touched his hand. And, and by the way, there were two guys there, and there was somebody draped all over. As I go back and watch it, there's multiple issues with that. 
number one being the ball was three seconds late. And yes, I counted because the ball should have arrived at the moment Christian Watson threw it. So I counted from the time he threw it to the time it hit Christian Watson's hand at the same moment it touched the defender's hand, by the way. It was three seconds. Three seconds late. But here's the other thing. You can take a screen grab, and I did, which I know is a sin, but it still does the job, to show as Christian Watson crossed into the end zone, he was not covered. If that ball was thrown accurately and on time, this is a walk-in touchdown for Christian Watson, and immediately everybody's opinion of Christian Watson goes up. Instead, it's thrown three seconds late to the point where you have essentially a, a Hail Mary where Christian Watson and two defenders are standing there waiting for the ball, and it's like, well, he should be winning 50-50, but that's not a 50-50 ball. You're calling a Hail Mary a 50-50 ball? Is that what you think? A two-on-one where both defenders can watch the ball coming in? That's the same to you as a 50-50 ball, where you generally the defender has no idea where the ball is. Really. The other issue on that play being that he should have seen that it was way too late, dumped it off to A.J. Dillon, who had like 15 yards of green grass in front of him. But anyways, again, the the pure bewilderment by Brian Gutekunst at the question. Just because because it's just such a stupid assumption. Like, obviously Christian Watson sucks. Like, are you, are you surprised by that, Brian? What the F are you talking about, dude? <laughs> Let you in here. I'm not going to play his answer, or, or the question or the answer to the next one, but there was, there was one interesting little part at the very end. Uh, he's talking about, you know, the guys, they, they, they talk about it, now they got to do it. But he says the expectation is that they will, as in they will come together, get better, and this offense will turn around, or the team, I guess, but the offense in particular we're talking about. I found it interesting that he said the expectation is that they will. It's not necessarily we think they will, it's we expect you to. Just saying. And here's Brian Gutekunst talking about the offensive line. You know, they've, they've done a nice job pass blocking. We haven't got our run game going as, as, as good as we've wanted to, you know. Um, there's been some injuries there as well, but... Uh, um, you know, I think some young players, you know, Rashid came in, did a nice job for us. Um, you know, so I think they played. I think Josh Myers playing the best football since he's been here. So he's playing very, very well. Uh, it's good to have Elton back up there on a, on a full-time basis, um, even though he was working through some things um, for a couple games there. But, no, I think they've done, they've done a nice job. They've got to continue to improve just like the rest of the offense. But um, they did a good job. So, <laughs> again, the, the, his assessment is – I'm, I'm – I, I can't be mad at Brian Gutekunst when almost everything he's saying is word for word what I've been begging you to, to, to see, right? The pass blocking is, is not only good, it's one of the best in the entire NFL. So that's another narrative that's nonsense. The offensive line is terrible across the board. No, it's not. The pass blocking is elite. Now, the one that's going to send everybody off into crazy town is Josh Myers is playing his best football. I've gone through the whole Josh Myers thing. I've explained the pass blocking through and through. I saw that, that that clip that people are sending around about where Josh Myers like falls and the guy runs right past him. That was John Runyon. He was supposed to block that guy. John Runyon went the wrong way and double teamed with Zach Tom and he was not supposed to. Josh Myers was trying to get up to the next level and got tripped. But, you know, again, we're going to pretend to be film experts and think we know what we're talking about. Which, which, by the way, is absolutely hilarious because what's funny is we pretend we're film experts and almost watch nothing. That in and of itself is hilarious. Then number two, we have these guys who are off doing their own thing. We got retired football players or whatever else. They break down film, and that's, that's, that is God himself gave us the answer. But when Brian Gutekunst, the GM of the organization, tells you, you want to talk about film study, they're studying everything. And, not, and, and they have the, you know how uh, J.T. O'Sullivan and everybody else are like, well, I don't know the line call, and I don't know this. and I, He knows. There is nobody's opinion that matters more than Brian Gutekunst. When he studies the film, he has all the answers. He knows exactly what the line was supposed to do. He knows who's succeeding and who's failing. Not only because of what he's watching, but because of all the guys that work for him are watching, and also the coaching staff. He talks to Matt LaFleur. He talks to the offensive line coach. They're all watching film. They're all grading the film, and they're all doing it based on what none of these other guys, including us, has. They have the answers to the test. And he's telling you that Josh Myers is playing his best football, and the answer is, oh, he's an idiot. Compared to who? You? Compared to who? Who's a bigger authority right now on the, on the quality of play of our offensive line? And it's amazing to me that everybody's like, oh, well, he's obviously an idiot. He's the only guy that's speaking publicly that knows the answer. And there's, by the way, there's a big difference between obfuscating and flat out lying. He's not going to just flat out lie. Not a, you're not just going to flat out say he's playing his best football if you think he's playing poorly. 
Now, that isn't to say he's perfect or even elite. There are only two comments that are being made. or Well, technically three. The run blocking, which he didn't specifically say but kind of said, is not good. The pass blocking is very good. And Josh Myers is playing better than he ever has. That doesn't even necessarily mean good. But he's playing his best football. And he said it in a complimentary way. So you have to assume that it's at least good. Somewhere between good and this guy is the greatest thing that's ever happened to our franchise in history. Somewhere in between there, they see Josh Myers. So you explain to me who I should listen to instead of Brian Gutekunst. Who is grading the tape, watching every single snap, not just snippets, which is what J.T. O'Sullivan and these guys do. They don't watch every single snap of every single player. And even when they do, again, what do they say? I don't actually know what's going on, but maybe it kind of looks like this. And if it's this, then maybe he should have done this, or it could have been this. They know the answer. But we're going to get around and have a little cackle session. Can you believe... I mean, I understand being surprised by it, because I wouldn't have said best uh, football that he's played. That wouldn't have been my comment to make. But he didn't single out Zach Tom. He didn't single out John Runyon. He said Rashid has been great in, as far as his ability to step in, so we're happy about that. It's good to have Elton back. And then he singled out Josh Myers as a guy that's playing well. Stop letting social media tell you what to think. It's just, it's so stupid. In the interest of time, I'll try to just skip what what happened here, but talked about David Bakhtiari. It certainly sounds like they're planning to move on. He said, you know, he made a couple comments, aside from the part where he said, we'll have to see how Dave's feeling after his surgery. But the couple comments that he made that would indicate that it's probably done is, number one, Dave has some decisions to make himself. In other words, potential retirement. Number two, he said it's been touch and go for three years. And then number four, or yeah, whatever number we're on, I'm holding up three fingers right now, and for some reason I feel like it's number four. <laughs> the next thing he said was that this is not a short-term thing. This is going to be a long-term thing that he's going through. So, you know, he, again, he's not directly going to say anything, but he knows that it's it's time to move on. I want to play this because I was, I was going to skip it. It's kind of long, but I, I just I want this to play out because I, I've got maybe just one final thought, um, and we might just get out of here, but... The, the question was, where is your patience at? Here's what he said. Um, yeah, I think, you know, uh, that's a good question. Um, everybody's frustrated, you know, I think. And that's, uh, they should be, right? You know, we, we expected to perform better. And the frustration level, I think, throughout the building is, 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 is there. But at the same Again, just pointing out, we expected to play better. At the same time, you know, I think we believe in the process that we're doing. So you just kind of focus on that. So... The big question for me right now, he's mentioned that several times, and maybe it's not as deep, but he's mentioned a couple times, we've got a process and we want to focus on it. What specifically is this, this track that we're on? Because there are some core pieces that he believes if we just continue the path, we're going to be okay. Um, who, are, who are a part of that? You know, I mean, it, it kind of comes down to like the coaching staff and everything else. Um, if we, if I had a more clear answer on that, it would it would help me kind of form my opinion of exactly where Brian Gutekunst's head is at um, when he's talking about just staying focused and on, on on the process, right? Stay on track, and and we believe that as long as we do that, we're going to come through this okay. Um, I guess I'm just kind of curious what that means, but I, but I also take from this what he said and what he's going to say that it's it's sort of as I said, sort of that pulling out of the tailspin thing, like, you know, we, we had high expectations, we haven't met that yet, but we think if we stick to it that that everything's going to be okay. It's possible that what he's saying is maybe, I don't know, foolishly isn't necessarily the right word. I think it's, it's maybe sort of a fake optimism, but essentially saying, you know, we're, we're going to stick to what we're doing for now and... We're going to set the expectation that they're going to pull out of this. Jordan and the receivers and the, uh, you know, uh, tight ends and the coaching staff and everybody, we're going to pull out of this. If we don't, then we need to address it. In other words, that's when everything's going to going to happen. So I'm just saying perhaps all he's really saying is, for now, we're going to stick to the path, which was we believe that 2023 is going to be fine and we're going to win and we're going to go to the playoffs and everything's going to be great. That was the expectation we set. That was the track we went on, and that's the track we're going to stay on. And we'll see how the season plays out. Um, that's potentially what he means. In other words, it's kind of another throwout line that, well, it's not even really a throwaway line because essentially it means that, you know, the expectation stays what the expectation is. And if you don't meet it, then I guess we got to have a conversation. Um, 
the the other thing though is is kind of what how I initially took it, which is there we we've we've established that this season is not going to work, but we're going to stick to our core principles and we're going to move forward with that. And that, and that's what kind of like you know what 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 exactly does that mean would be the question. But anyways, continuing. Again, I think everybody's really got to focus in on doing their job and doing their job just a little bit better, and and we'll get to where we need to go. But it's uh, um, it's no fun to be in the situation we're in. Uh, but again, the belief in the people in that room, the locker room, the coaching staff, and everybody in this building is there. So that's kind of what gets me to the 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 other thing, where it's we're going to put the blinders on, we're going to ignore how it's been so far. We have belief in our players and in our coaches that they will figure this out and they will get us to where we need to be. We've begun the process of, for example, not believing. <laughs> we have shifted our focus to maybe a little bit more future than present, certainly. Um, and we're going to continue on this path and we're just going to leave our hands off of it and see where we end up. That's kind of where I'm leaning toward in terms of what he means when he says we're going to stay the process because obviously there's nothing they can really do mid-season now anyways i mean it's you're in the middle of a roller coaster there's no stopping it it's just gravity pulling you at this point but again if that's what he means that should send chills chills down a lot of people's spines because essentially what he's saying is we know that they will meet our expectations and that is still our like we're not lowering the bar we expect you to get to this point and then if you are for example the head coach or the quarterback or whatever you look at it and say i don't think i can get there and there's no extensions coming. There's no like. There's no help coming. You fix it, or then we just have to change course, I guess. And then uh, a question came up about defense, which hasn't really been brought up yet. I found it a little bit interesting because you know the offensive line came up, and he was sort of complimentary. The question was asked and said essentially, you know, you've got a lot of talent. What has caused you to maybe not live up to the expectations or whatever? And I kind of wondered if his answer would be more along the lines of, actually, I think our defense has played very well. They haven't allowed a lot of points, et cetera, et cetera. And immediately he just shakes his head and acknowledges that the defense has not been playing very well. Yeah, I just don't think we've played consistent enough. Um, certainly they've been put in some tough spots just because of the time of possession and things that they've gone through. But uh, we just got to be you know, a little bit more sound, a little bit more consistent. Um, again, we've seen flashes of the pass rush come through, and we've had some, some moments. It's just not uh, a little bit like last year. Just the consistency is not there. So... I love that answer for a lot of reasons. Number one, acknowledging the defense is not good, which is a reality. But the other part is when he said, kind of like last year. <laughs> I mean, come on. He knows. And listen, Joe Barry is is a Matt LaFleur thing. This is not Gutekunst. But I can't help but wonder, if Matt LaFleur stays, I have to assume Brian Gutekunst is not going to allow him to keep Joe Barry. I mean, come on. Could that have been any more obvious? Yeah, I just think we're not really playing as consistent as we need to play. It's just been spotty and we haven't really seen what we need to see. Kind of like last year. <laughs> like, go figure. And then somebody just flat out asked, like, how much, you know, what? how do you balance, like, how much is the coaching staff's fault and how much is the player's fault? And he's like, ah, we don't look at it like that. It's on all of us, right? Just a throwaway answer. And then goes on to say, we have belief in everybody, which again is a more chilling statement than it sounds because it's, oh, I, I, I know you'll turn it around. Don't worry, you'll get it. I know you'll you'll meet my expectations. When you know in the back of his mind he's thinking you ain't gonna meet Jack. You're not meeting nothing, and I know it. But that's fine. Because that's the expectation. And I look forward to seeing you at the end with a top three defense. See you there, bud. And then again, trying to push on a nonsense answer, which I understand, like maybe you're just trying to squeeze a truthful answer out of it, but it's kind of silly. Like we're essentially like attacking straw men in a way, even though it's not technically a straw, but he's just laying out these fake things to try to evade. And they're like really focusing on the wrong things. It's like, well, if the coaching staff is the same and the players are the same and the results were the same last year and this year, why would you expect anything different? And he just, again, just continues to make up more stuff because he's, he's, he's just, listen, he's laying it out there that there is an expectation. And he's saying we have belief in them because what else are we going to do right now? It's essentially my job to say I believe in them. What am I going to do? Come out here and be like, no, they suck and I'm going to fire them. No, but he's still laying out the expectation. That's it. So the part about belief, eh. So when you question it and hammer it, it's like you're not going to get a, a very sub substantive answer. Now, I'll tell you, well, why don't we end with this? Because there's, there's kind of a lot of good little nuggets in here. Um, he's just going to kind of rip through. I don't even remember the question, but um, he's just going to kind of rip through and talk about Jordan Love a little bit. So um, 
I was going to just comment on it, but there's just there's so many little things that I think are important to hear. Uh, we're not even going to get through the full Brian Gutekunst thing. We'll figure out what to do tomorrow, but I'm going to end on this here. I have a lot of snaps, or is he not that? Because he had yeah, I don't really look at it like that. I'm, you know, um, we're just we're evaluating a first year player. You know, if if that makes sense, you know, because he's really you know had his first chance to go out there and and game plan week in and week out. Um, you know, so to me right now, it's just like it's really looking at the small. Um, victories, the small improvements, and making sure we're moving forward. Um, if that doesn't, you know, if that stops happening, then there's problems. But right now, I think uh, we're seeing little things. Um, we just got to get going in the first half. All right, so we'll stop there. The next question, which we're just going to continue on with, um, is what are those small things? But a um, couple things. Number one, he is saying that he's seeing small improvements. We'll get into that, but that's that's good. But he also said pretty bluntly, if that stops happening, we're going to have a problem. That's a pretty intense statement. <laughs> but he also said we got to get going in the first half. Now, we can pretend that that's just a blanket statement about Matt LaFleur's play calling or something else, but he's talking about Jordan Love. And again, this is so simple for me. We knew from day one, at least this year, that Jordan Love struggles early. It happened in training camp. He was terrible at first, and then he started warming up, and that happened like every day in training camp, in practice. It happened in the preseason, and now it's happening in the regular season. And we're going to pretend that we don't know that that's Jordan Love that's struggling to, to kind of warm up. He's talking specifically about Jordan Love's development and made the comment, it's got to be better in the first half. Anyways, here is the continuation. What are those little things? I just think the way he's seeing things, the way he's commanding the team, um, certainly the adversity he's going through and how he responds to that. Um, you know, he's, he's, I think when he sees things for a second time, he's doing a good job of things, but sometimes the first time things can catch him a little bit. All right, I just want to pause there because part of the issue is, I mean, so some of the things he listed as as areas of progress are not really things that can progress. They're just things that he's doing well, right? So, so there are things that you want to see him continue to get better at. Um, dealing with adversity, like if he's dealing with it well, he's dealing with it well. Right, that's that's a box you check. It's not really something you grow uh, into or whatever. You know, uh, being a leader on the team, uh, whatever the the comment was. But the one thing that he said that he that he does think he's getting better at is maybe he's kind of getting he's seeing things. You know, like a defensive coordinator kind of throws something at him and it catches him and it doesn't catch him the second time. And that is important. Now, I think there is a massive mountain of things that need to improve, but it's still a a pretty big positive. If that's happening, because it, it does feel like defensive coordinators are throwing a ton at him and he's not handling it well. But if he's starting to kind of pick up on it, then there's still some reason to believe that there can be some improvements. Because, you know, there's only so many little tricks and different defensive schemes that you're going to see before you start to recognize things. So at least there's that. Um, but again, it's like, you know, there's times where he's really doing a good job on certain things and it may not show that because the rest of the group's not, you know, and then there's other times the rest of the group are doing some good things and maybe he's not. So it's, it's trying to get everything lined up together in a line. And, and again, that's, that's, that is the, the truest statement. The, the reality is each person is responsible for the failures to, to different, different varying degrees. It is not true that Jordan is doing a good job. It's just you can't see it because of everybody else. That happens at times, but there are also times when the offensive the offense is doing a good job and Jordan is the problem. Maybe, maybe not every time. I mean, definitely not every time. Maybe not even most of the time. But we got to stop pretending that, you know, bad play is good play and it's not his fault. When he makes mistakes, he makes mistakes. And I think most people are, are, are up to speed on that. And we're all kind of in the same place where it's like everybody needs to start doing better and we need to see more cohesion from everybody. But I'm still seeing entirely too much just circling the wagons. And, and all I'm asking is please don't defend bad play. Just don't defend bad play. I don't care who it is. I don't care what you said prior to the season. I don't care about any of that. As somebody who is 100% on the Jordan Love camp, as, as somebody who said... Rodgers needs to go, love season, all that stuff. I'm sitting here saying he's not playing well enough, period. And I, I genuinely do believe that, that that's kind of the track we're on. Is I, I, what, what it sounds to me like Gutekunst is saying is when he says that they have faith and they have belief and they have all that stuff, um, to some degree it's, it's true, but at the same time it's kind of a nothing statement. Because at the end of the day, ultimately what he's saying is, I trust that they're going to fix this. 
But the question really is, assuming they don't, which is a somewhat fair assumption, then what? Just because he says we have belief in them doesn't mean, oh, good, so I guess we're not having any new coaches, Jordan Love gets another year, everything just stays the same. No, he's saying that we have faith in these guys that they're going to fix this. If that happens, great. But what if it doesn't? And again, we got a little bit of a glimpse of where Brian Gutekunst is heading. Because when he was asked about Razul, what did he say over and over and over again? Look at where we are. You have to be realistic. So he's, he's being somewhat unrealistic in, in an attempt to be, you know, a team player. Like, I'm not going to trash people that are on the team right now. I'm going to say we have faith in them and we're, we're going to believe in them. And they're putting in hard work. They're doing the best they can. But he also is a realist that looks at it and says, this is not good enough. I acknowledge this is not good enough. I acknowledge this is unacceptable. And we are going to set the standard at what the standard is. We're going to expect his words that they will reach this standard by the end of the season. And then when asked about, like, you know, most of the time when questions came up about, okay, but what if in the future, he's like, you know what, we'll get there when we get there. That's how I see this picture coming together, right? I mean, it, it's my interpretation of the situation flows, I think, very easily into everything Brian Gutekunst has essentially said here. But anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. I got a lot of stuff going on today. And um, anyways... Have a good rest of your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.